I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I am Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. I'm here with my good friend, Mr. Sean Latimer, on a Friday in beautiful Newport Beach. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you. Hello. We rearranged the schedule just so you could be here. Appreciate that. Uh, so uh, today we're going to be talking about an article that's called It's All a Bunch of Poo. Uh, that's Poo, P-O-O-H. We're going to keep this appropriate. Um, here's what we're talking about. I opened up with this idea and something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, and Sean will agree with this first statement. I am not the smartest guy you'll ever meet. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and uh, I don't have a track record of predicting, uh, you know, uh, macroeconomic events or uh, kind of being able to foretell some of those things. Don't worry, most people don't. Most people don't. So uh, I would ask, why in the world would you listen to me? And here's where I have a unique vantage point, and Sean has the same vantage point. We talk to investors all day long, every day. Uh, we have a whole lot of conversations, and we see themes in those conversations, uh, and therefore, uh, we are good people to talk about. We have a good idea of what makes investors tick. Uh, and we have a good idea of what the top concerns are for most investors right now. Yeah, we've joked about it on past podcasts that um, if someone sends you a message, an email, a text and says, hey, you know, I'd really like to chat this week, had a couple of concerns or questions that we could almost guess what they wanted to talk about. And it is sad that it would somewhat correlate with recent headlines. Yeah, so it's it's predictable. But I would say there's that fine line. And this is the thing I've been kind of like really thinking about a lot lately. But there's a big difference between an academic and a practitioner. Because a lot of the things um, that I'll get into conversations about of, of somebody's like, because uh, the study of personal finance is actually growing, right at, at universities and this idea of retirement planning and income planning and, and all this. Um, and I read a lot of this stuff. And I'm like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. And I understand how they get to some of these conclusions. But typically, and I think you would do this just as good as me, um, when I'm reading that stuff, I can I can r- easily see the gap yeah. between, uh, okay, I get how you get to that answer, but I'm going to tell you why uh, an actual investor is not going to do that. Yeah, because you've seen the behaviors of the investor, and you you can almost like poke holes in it right away because you know what concerns they're going to have or what, what they will follow, what they won't follow. Yeah, and it's interesting that I'm I, I'm scared to say this because not I, I guess it's not true and it, it sounds uh, exaggerated, but it's almost like behavior trumps everything. Well, yeah, I mean that that's how all investing works. You can put together a financial plan where they're going to save a certain amount and stay invested and be able to you know tolerate market volatility. But if you know that they're going to pull the ripcord in twelve months, then it doesn't matter. I like thinking about it that way. Pull the ripcord because it is this idea of a kind of just exiting, right? We we talk. I talk a lot about in this article about um, how somebody's fears can often derail them from their financial plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love thinking about what's the best word to use and derail. I'm just like, oh, this train is going in this direction, and all of a sudden it just kind of crashes. It like falls off of this trajectory of where it's supposed to go. Um, and that is the part of the financial advisor is to make sure somebody doesn't do that. And you can do your best too to kind of navigate that conversation where you really like unpack it and say like, walk me through this fear. You know, w- tell me what happens specifically. Like you wake up and you're no longer able to open any of your bank account apps or investment account apps. They all say not available, don't exist anymore, zero dollars. Is that is that what you're saying is happening? And you sometimes people have that aha moment or that light where they go, oh, I guess not. Maybe I'm overthinking this or maybe I'm overreacting. 
But there are some people that you said it this morning can't get out of their own way. Financial get in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I shouldn't laugh about. It sounds really scary, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I The reason I called this article, it's all a bunch of poo, because uh, I um, am a father of young kids, just like Sean is. So I am well acquainted with children's movies. Uh, we watch a lot of them at home. My wife and I kind of filter what we want them watching. And um, I mentioned in the article that uh, Winnie the Pooh uh, passes the smell test. Um, they watch Winnie the Pooh. There's this one movie um, about Winnie the Pooh called The Heffalump. Have you seen it? No. Okay. So The Heffalump... It, I feel bad writing this too because I'm like, I'm just writing this for me. It, it, it resonates yeah. with me. But Heffalump, I imagine the reason they did that is it's like a little kid trying to say elephant. So uh, yeah, yeah, Winnie the Pooh and Rabbit and um, all the characters are out to find the Heffalump. And they talk about how scary it is. I, I pasted in the article the song they sing, yeah. um, which is quite funny. Um, and the, the youngest of the bunch is Rue, this little kangaroo, and um, he doesn't know what a heffalump is, but they're going to go out. They've got their nets and um, their ropes, and they're going to catch this evil heffalump. Rue ends up going out on his own, um, and he stumbles into Lumpy. Lumpy is a heffalump, uh, and they become kind of really good friends, uh, and they go on this adventure together. Lumpy's lost his mom, and uh, Rue's trying to find uh, kind of his friends, um, and he realizes that heffalumps really aren't that scary. And uh, why would we be talking about children's movies? Because most investors right now, the, the top of mind for them is a recession. And I'm going to tell you, a recession is a heffalump. Uh, you could create a song that talks to you uh, about how scary a recession is. And I'm seeing it every day. And I'm not good. I want to get better. But I'm not good at helping people get away from uh, allowing that to rule their life. I can't tell you how many conversations I have. It's like, because of this recession coming, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. Because this recession's coming, I'm not going to make a decision about ABC. And I bite my tongue because I don't know the way to say that's not prudent. Um, because it, there needs to be a softer conversation and educational to help people get there. So hopefully this article will help. But I've, I've struggled with that recently. Yeah, I think uh, people like staying the course and not making a decision. And and if they can find something to justify that decision, it almost makes it easier for them. So, um, you know, things feel really frothy. I'm going to stay the course. Or, oh, there's an upcoming recession. I'm going to do this. Or I'm not going to do that. Uh, I think that sometimes people... And staying the course you're talking about is do, do, do nothing. nothing. Yeah, yes. which well, that, that we should clarify that not doing anything is making a decision. Yes. And uh, I, I don't think people realize that uh, that, that could be a mistake as well. Uh, I, I do like how your comparison in the article of the heffalump and the recession, uh, I, you do a good job at showing the, the similarities, but then it always makes me laugh that, you know, children and adults can sometimes be the same. <laughs> yeah, they can, they can be really similar. And that's the part where I struggle so much is because I don't think the person I'm talking to is, um, stupid. I don't. Um, my heart goes out to them. And later, I'll, I'll kind of bring up, I talk about my own personal fears with needles. It's stupid. Like, they're small little metal pieces that, uh, why would I be afraid of them? But I can tell you of really funny stories of times I've passed out um, and different things like that. I mean, my, my son got a bloody nose once, and I had you to lay down. <laughs> yeah, I had, no, I had to lay down on the ground, like, lost all the color in my face, and I had to, like, yell at my wife across the hall 
because she had to come in and take care of him. Um, and you. Yeah, and me. <laughs> so um, I get it. Like, that is silly that that happens to me, but there's something uh, in you when that fear takes over, um, it starts to some people change their behavior. Sometimes it has like physical impacts on them, which I see for people, it's a burden on their shoulders. And that's why I think an advisor out there that says, Hey, you're a dummy. You shouldn't think that or here, let me educate you, man. You gotta be sensitive. You gotta have compassion because you can tell me the same thing. You're a dummy. Why is that needle scaring you? Well, thanks. I'm about to pass out and hit my head on the floor. Uh, you're not helping. Yeah. Well, it's true. It's it's kind of like reading their body language. Like we meet with people all day long, like you mentioned, and even over Zoom, you you or I shouldn't. I don't know if I'm allowed to say at video conferencing. Yeah, you uh, can tell by people's posture, or body language, if something bothers them or if they're uncomfortable. And it is true. I, I think I think the word recession. It I hate using this word, but it's almost like a trigger word. It, it reminds totally. people of you know you know 2008 2009 financial crisis when you know t- tough times in their life possibly and. They look at that and go, wow, I don't want that happening to me. But I think the definition of that is different. It's like you said, it takes educating. Yeah. And that's why in this article, what I hope I can get across, um, I want to explain to people uh, that the stock market, the bond market, and the economy have already said, hey, there's a high probability there's going to be a recession or that we're in a recession right now. The problem is the organization that will decide if the history books actually show recession, they only do it in hindsight. Right. So if you're sitting at the edge of your seat as an investor waiting for them to make an announcement, once they tell you it happened, you've already experienced all of it. Um, And that's why I I really want to help people get there. So we'll start with the stock market. The stock market in the first six months of the year from peak to trough was down 25%. I mentioned in the article that is abnormal. Right. It's not rare. It's happened before, but it's not normal. So when you come up to something that is abnormal, um, you got to stop and say, hmm, why is that happening? Now, again, a ton of people smarter than me could have a lot of different reasons and answers, but I'll give you a really simple one. The stock market was telling you that it was concerned about a recession. Why is the stock market a leading indicator? Because current stock prices are talking about what future cash flows are. They're the net present value of future cash flows. Current stock prices care about future earnings. So when the stock market goes down 25%, it's telling you that it's concerned about future earnings. Um, And it's concerned that future earnings are going to be disrupted by a recession or future earnings are going to be part of a recession. So what I'm saying is that if you're deciding today that you want to make a wholesale change to your portfolio and you want to sell all your stocks, you already got punched in the face. You've already experienced the quote-unquote recession-type behavior in the stock market. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's for sure going to be a defined textbook recession. I'm telling you that the stock market is leading you to believe that that's a high probability. My favorite part of the article, too, is you mentioned uh, getting punched in the face twice by making that you know uh, quick decision. And uh, if you, let's say... You know, you've already suffered through the pain the first quarter. And if you're investing in those type of stocks and you're down 25%, and then you say, you know what? Now my alert, red alert, red lights are going off. I'm going to sell and go to cash. And then there was a recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the the even, again, we never know when the bottom is, right? We can only pick a bottom in hindsight. We have to get further away. But we know from uh, the bottom we experienced this year, there's been a 15% rally from that. 
So when you're talking about getting punched in the face twice, you get punched with the drawdown, right? You get mm-hmm. punched with going down the, the 25%. And then if you make a decision to make that wholesale change, then the second punch in the face is that you miss the recovery. And there's possibly a third because those people that typically make those emotional decisions, they uh, the emotions swing both ways. So you have a few days this last week, market's green, you know, things are looking better. Uh, let's say we had a not as bad inflation report. Let's say the next one's a, a little bit lower. Then... What do they feel? Oh, things are back to normal. Things are good. Who knows what will happen in the future, right? But that same person could reinvest after missing out on the 15% recovery just to find another drawdown, which a 25% drawdown is abnormal, you mentioned. But volatility, a 5 10 15%, completely normal oh, almost every year. I think the only year we didn't have that type of volatility was 2017, and, and that was abnormal that we had no volatility. So uh, – I think that that person that tries to go in and out based off emotions is going to run into that problem forever. Yeah, I, you're 100% right. And and sometimes, as you'll read in the article, when I make fun of myself about needles, that might be the answer for you. That say, I, I have one client that comes to mind. I love him to death. And we joke around because he says, hey, every time I put significant money in the market, it goes down. Uh, and we take his last name and we, you know... We'll, I'm going to make up his last name, call him Smith. We say it's the Smith indicator. Yeah. Um, but it's helpful because we make that joke and then we say, hey, let's let's think about this. Uh, since you've had these experiences, so we typically, for him, dollar cost average. Uh, and we stretch out those entry points um, so that he doesn't have to worry about that experience. And it's the same for me. When I'm going to get blood taken, I have a conversation with whoever's doing it and say, hey, I usually pass out. So they usually sit me down. I turn to the other side. They have conversations with me about my family or sports, and it's super helpful. So it's not a bad idea to kind of say, hey, I admit it. This is a struggle for me. Uh, And then work with a professional to create an ecosystem that will help you to not pass out. Makes sense. I was laughing thinking about that, the Smith effect, because uh, there's a show, I don't know if there are a lot of shows, but How I Met Your Mother, and there's this friend that every time he left, um, the group would still stay and something amazing would happen. And they called it like, I think the the blitz effect or something like that, where, you know, they were at a restaurant and he left and they're like, oh, the tap's broken, free drinks for everyone or like something like that. And and it just reminds me of that, that uh, maybe you should send out a note to all of your friends and clients when Mr. Smith wants to invest and then we know this is a good time or bad time. (laughs) Yeah. But what I love about him is he doesn't come at it with anxiety or fear, comes at it with humor, which kind of like just changes the vibe. So ultimately what we're saying is the stock market has already told you as a leading indicator before something happens that, hey, there's some concerns about one of two things, either valuations were stretched or um, the hurdle for future profits is too high. Yeah. Um, but it's it's telling you something that, hey, it looks like there's going to be some sort of contraction. Um, that it's interesting, too, because we've seen such a sudden rise in interest rates. And this is probably a good segue because I want to hear your perspective mm-hmm. on, you know, that not only impacts you know borrowing for companies in the future, which will impact earnings, but what's the impact on bonds? And let's talk about bonds. Yeah, the, the, I call this section, the bond market isn't shy. And, and the thing that I'm trying to help an investor understand is what are these markets telling you? So we already just discussed what the stock market is telling you. And we've said in past podcasts, you don't want to use one single indi- indicator for, for kind of creating your worldview. So let's go to the bond market. The bond market isn't shy. Um, There is an inversion right now. What that means is that you get paid more on an interest rate 
for having a two-year government bond versus a 10-year government bond. Which makes no sense, intuitively. Yeah, yeah. so we don't know where our listeners are, so we'll, we'll kind of keep it really simple. Here's a bond. You're lending money to somebody, and they're paying you back a, a fixed interest rate. This somebody, in this case, happens to be the government. So you're saying, hey, I'll give you my money for two years. You pay me back an interest rate semi-annually. At the end of two years, you give me my money back. Uh, or the other deal, hey, I'm going to give you my money for 10 years. You pay me that fixed interest rate at the end of 10 years. Um, you give me my money back. Now, can more things happen over 10 years than two years? Yes. Um, so we define that as risk. Um, so typically, you are going to ask, as a lender, to get a little bit higher interest rate um, when you're going to lend longer. Mm. You should be familiar with that. If you go get a mortgage, typically, right, you can break the rules, but typically a 10-year mortgage is going to have a lower interest rate than a 15-year mortgage, right. which is going to have a lower interest rate than a 30-year mortgage. Um, that's what the lender does to be compensated for the risk that a lot of things can happen in that time period. So then you ask yourself, wait a tick, what is the bond market telling you if the two-year treasury, the two-year bond is paying more than the 10-year. The bond market is telling you there's probably something that's going to happen between two years and 10 years. And I put a chart in there that should be really helpful. You can see every time that inversion happened and the gray shaded area is the recession. So almost every time, this has been a leading indicator for a recession in the near future. And you'd ask yourself, well, hey, would I be silly to buy a 10-year bond at a lower interest rate than a two-year bond? No. And here's why. When that two-year bond matures, you have to do something with those proceeds. The bond market's telling you that maybe when that two-year matures, uh, the, the next bond you're going to buy wouldn't be as attractive as just buying a 10-year today. Does that make sense to you and, what I mean by that? And that's because there's a recession, so rates go down? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, if the Federal Reserve um, is trying... Um, to basically, again, getting outside of my scope of expertise a little bit, but if they're trying to smooth this idea of boom and bust cycles um, and they're trying to do things, what they might call like a soft landing, uh, what the bond market is telling you is that uh, if the economy starts to slip, right, let's say unemployment starts to rise, um, credit spreads start to blow out and things like that. Inflation would probably normalize by then too. So that, that argument would probably not be around. Sure. So the Federal Reserve would probably step in and they'd probably want to help the economy. So they'd probably lower interest rates. So that would have an effect on government treasuries. So again, if we wanted to keep it really simple for listeners, the bond market saying, hey, I don't think something's going to happen today. But I think between two and 10 years, it's probably something that's, that's, that's boiling. Now, I'm not saying exactly between two and it could be 12 months from now. But if everything is a mechanism for kind of what's going to happen within this realm or this vicinity, that's what it's telling you. And if you look at history and you see that, hey, those um, inversions are usually kind of right around the point that those gray shaded areas, which represent recessions, um, you can kind of say, oh, wow, um, there probably is a heffalump coming. I mean, there probably is a recession coming. Um, the question is, should you be fearful? And what we're trying to say here is that the bond market already priced it in. And the stock market already priced it in. Uh, and this reminds me a little bit of a tangent, but um, I remember uh, one of my father-in-law's friends was a client. 
Um, and, uh, you know, there's a difficult year of, of investing and he's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to kind of go do my own thing. And I respected him for that. And I said, Hey, let me just give you one piece of advice. You own a, a fair amount of energy stocks. You own more energy stocks than your neighbor. Right. Uh, and you've, you've, you've taken the lumps for that. Uh, I, I would say there's probably a high likelihood that there's going to be a reversion or recovery there. My suggestion is I would probably just side pocket those. Um, you know, this was some years ago. Uh, I don't know what he did, but that's a perfect example of what I mean because we've all seen that huge recovery in energy. And that's the point I'm trying to make is that if you've already taken a couple punches in the face, um, be careful on the next decision that you make that you don't put yourself further in harm's way. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's actually a good transition into your last category. So you had stocks, bonds, and then the economy. And this one is kind of reviewed in hindsight, right? Well, we've already checked that box. So what does that mean? Yeah, what I said here, and this is a lot of debate right now, and it's actually David wrote a great dividend cafe on it, but it's become political. Because like, ever since I've been in the business, um, the definition of a recession was just, and I've always said this, is just two negative, uh, two quarters of uh, negative GDP growth. Uh, and I, I, again, maybe I was wrong. I just always thought that was like the clear definition. But now it, people are saying, hey, really, um, yes, that's true. But the National Bureau of Economic Research, uh, they are the party that defines uh, a recession. So people are saying this time feels a little different because unemployment's at 3.5% um, and all these other signs about the economy don't really feel recessionary. So maybe they won't define this as a recession. Fair enough. All I'm saying to you is that the stock market said that there'd probably be two quarters of negative GDP. The bond market inverted, told you there'd probably be two quarters of negative GDP growth. There was two quarters of negative GDP growth. It's the heffalump. Like, you're probably going to experience a recession. The problem is, in your mind, you're building up what damage this recession is going to do to you. Right. And you're thinking, I need to make a decision. I need to be proactive and do something now. Which realistically, if you own stocks, you're supposed to have a longer time horizon. And the idea, we, we, we know that the idea of timing the bottom and then timing it back in the market is not realistic, right? You have to be right twice. So the best course of action is, Trevor... Yeah, is have a conversation with your advisor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the, the best course of action, and that's what I was trying to do in that last, kind of one of the last sections, uh, I called it needles to say. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, what I was saying there is, and again, we, we chatted a little bit on the podcast, but I wanted to be honest with the listeners. And I'll say it again. I'm 37 years old. Why am I afraid of like this tiny little needle? I am though. Um, and it's not only like uh, in my head, I pass out. Yeah, you're not like, faking it. <laughs> no, like I have a, I have like a, like a physical reaction. Um, it is comedic. Um, it is overblown. I shouldn't do it. I get it. But um, what has been really helpful, like I said, um, is the, the, you know, the doctor will lay me down and they'll have a conversation. And guess what? I can tell you multiple times when they're all, okay, all done. And I'm like, wait a tick. There's no way you're all done. Like, and I didn't even feel it. So that's what I'm trying to tell people is um, Dr. Nerber, you see what I did there? The National Bureau of Economic Research. Dead. Yeah. Uh, is maybe they're going to say, all done. Like we had a recession and you're going to be like, 
wait, what? I didn't even feel it. Because you've already gone through the kind of uh, uh, emotional stages of experiencing what the stock market's done this year, what the bond market's done this year. That is the prick. That's the pain. That's that's what you experience. Um, it's not that the recession gets announced and then there's this kind of fall off the cliff moment. And I think that's where people get confused. Makes sense. Um, the last part I put on here, kind of just to close us out, is that old Roosevelt quote, which I love. It's like, all we have to fear is fear itself. And uh, there's no better way to say that because uh, whether it was a heffalump, whether it was a needle, or whether it was a recession, um, it wasn't that actual thing that was causing damage. It was our fear uh, and what we do with that fear and kind of the the demons we create um, to uh, compound that fear and then the way we react from that. So my encouragement is to uh, have that accountability partner, that safari guide, that advisor to kind of guide you through that. And humility is huge. Um, like I said, humor helps. I like making fun of myself about the needles because it's a reality. Um, and uh, it's not something that feels like it's going to change tomorrow, but we should laugh about it. Um, I'm, uh, I'm weak. You know, it's silly that I have that. Um, but luckily I have medical professionals around me that know how to accommodate for somebody uh, like me. And, uh, that's what you probably should do. You should find, uh, that person that can sit shoulder to shoulder with you and kind of walk you through that. The reason you want to do that is because you can do a lot of damage, um, financial damage, uh, if you let kind of fear take over. Yeah, I think it's important to just be self-aware that, uh, you know, check your own track record. If you find yourself making emotional decisions, probably at the worst time, maybe you do need to seek advice and just say, hey, I know what I'm going to do at the worst possible time, and I won't even know I'm doing it. And so having a, a trusted advisor or someone you trust to talk through this, it would help. Yeah. And it, uh, let's let's be honest, I'll be vulnerable. It's also hard as the advisor. Right. I remember I got a text message this week where uh, a great client and they were saying, um, hey, this is feeling yucky. Um, should I sell this, that or the other stock and just buy some two year treasuries? Um, and my first text message back was no, period. But I'm like, that's not fair. Yeah. Like it deserves explanation uh, and deserves uh, dialogue. Um, but I kudos to that person because uh they're doing that you know what i mean they're, they're they're leaning in to kind of having that shoulder to shoulder person and saying hey this is what i'm thinking uh do you think this is a good idea um and i always like to ask like hey if you were in my shoes what would you do you know what i mean how would you react um because that gives you a really good vantage point of the advice giver because if they're giving you advice of and then they're doing the opposite um i'd probably find someone else to put your trust in yeah, it is difficult because you, you want to give good advice and you want to have conviction in that advice, but you also want to be accommodating and empathetic that, you know, we are serving clients and we're here to help them. And at the end of the day, it is their money. We, we're not forcing them to do anything. <laughs> totally. And I think that's been an evolution in my own maturity is uh, I have a natural bent to want to like argue and debate. So I think um, uh, my younger self like wanted to challenge people and to get into that. And now, um, and again, I'm a work in progress. We're you're, all, we're your younger all, self? Yeah. <laughs> like, like yesterday? Or? Yeah. I mean, we're just like, we're all, we're all on like a, a journey. So I, I'm, I'm not past this, but I'm, I'm just saying uh, where I've shifted a little bit. Like now my, my heart definitely goes out to people because yeah. I'm like, oh, this is a struggle. 
and this is hard. Um, and, and I also know, man, this is a huge obstacle for this person. But where I want to get to as, a, as an individual is, is being better at um, not persuading somebody, but kind of helping them walk through that um, and overcome some of those challenges. Because now I realize as we started this podcast, uh, behavior trumps everything. Yeah. So um, getting good investor behavior uh, makes big, big, big differences, uh, bigger differences than if you want to own X stock versus Y stock. Yeah, they're, they're not coming at, to you saying like, I'm smarter than you or your way is wrong, my way is right. They're coming to you because they're probably scared and this is their life savings and, and they want to make sure they're doing it right. Yeah. And uh, like like you say a lot, you know, that perspective really matters and it'll make you approach the situation completely different. Because instead of it being a, you know, text back and forth, like, no, you're wrong because of this, this, this. It's like, hey, let's get on a call and let's chat about it. And you can ask questions and be helpful. Yeah, agreed. And uh, I again, back to the needles. I know the feeling. I, <laughs> I, I see that chair from, you know, 10 steps away and I'm like, okay, here <laughs> we go. Um, the first time it ever happened, it, it didn't happen until I was an adult. Like I broke a ton of bones and all that, but something happened. I don't know. So it happened when I was adult and I went uh, for blood to get blood taken and I passed out and I woke up in this the nicest nurse in the world she was like slapping my face like over and over again and she's holding a juice box in my mouth to, like get like blood sugar and I yeah. was like what the world just happened um so again I can relate um well we'll close this out there um we'll ask that you rate the podcast five stars are preferred all comments are welcome uh Sean and I love to hear from you so our email address is tom at the com. t-o-m at the com. you can address that to Trevor or Sean uh, appreciate you listening to today's podcast and we will be back next week with more of our thoughts, thoughts on, on money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.